What's up, fellow chimpies? Japan stoners. Chimp. Hey, I guess I could wear chimp beach. No, it doesn't work. Uh, yeah. What's up, brother? It's good to have you back. Back in the thing studio. It's weird to call it that because it's just a room. <laughs> last <laughs> intro. Last intro was just me, bruh. So it's nice to have you. You uh, looked so lonely. <laughs> I I saw that. that I had Albert funny. by my side, man. He's uh, he's quiet. He's yeah. very stoic company. Yeah. He has a uh, stale humor. I was trying to think of a funnier pun, but it didn't work. That was uh, he's a deadbeat. That joke was really <laughs> bare bones. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we're getting there. We got. <laughs> What's up, everybody? What's up, you motherfuckers? We had Carlos Tander on. Beautiful we did. Oh yeah, beautiful. Not much to say, really. Uh, go back to f- number fifty-six. He's been on before. I yeah. just looked it up. I'm not a super genius with crazy memory. Uh, he it was good last time. It was great this time. Yeah, we um, we just got into it. We just fucking went right into it. Yeah, I mean, we so he's a he's a facilitator. He serves plant various plant medicines. Um, he's he's integrated uh, ceremony with uh, science, you know, and he has uh, uh, partaken in studies to see how people uh, recover from uh, mental problems and and illnesses and stuff like that. And now he's also st- well, you'll see in the podcast, he's going to end up starting like a program to to teach well to to essentially run future facilitators like uh, doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists and things like that through some kind of ceremony so they can have a relationship with the with the plant as well yeah so i mean this guy's like teaching the teachers like i said in the podcast this guy's doing crazy good work but he's also super fun to talk to he's so he's funny he's loving he's very intelligent uh so he's just a He's, I'm glad he's on our side, as as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not much more to it. I think for the audience who doesn't know him, who don't know him, maybe the first episode might be a good intro. But honestly, this one's great too. Like, there's no, it's we're not carrying on from a previous conversation. It's like two separate. Yeah, you don't need it. It's yeah. just fun to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And all you got to do is just listen and enjoy because he's a uh, he is a trip, and he's had an awesome trip. <laughs> Yeah, we're riding a little high right now, so yeah. uh, hopefully you guys get the same vibe. I'm hot. It's the first time I'm ever feeling hot in this podcast room. Really? Yeah, I'm sweating, man. I'm always fucking sweating in this I place. <laughs> <laughs> I love the heat. Uh, this is just killing all me all of a sudden. Fucking lights. But uh, dog. <laughs> dog heat. But um, for all you listeners, we love you so much. Please, please, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, all click, the time. Click the like button. Click that little bell. Share, share. If you like it, share it. Yeah. That's the one I want the most. Subs are are fun, but give us a share. The love. Let's spread the love. Yeah, Car- Carlos deserves it. He's a he's a gem, and uh, the more people that hear him speak, they might just get a little ignition, and something might change in them. And Definitely. yeah, I think it we'll sure did in me. Cue the music, Sammy. Enjoy. Stay curious. What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl, and I'm Sam Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps.
fresh, bro. Just live in the moment, man. How have you been, dude? Good, man. Really good. The year uh, ended with me getting COVID and started with me, like, on a whole new level, which I definitely, like, attribute to COVID. Like, I think that it uh, was a, a cleansing process for me. I lost five kilos or, like, 10 pounds or 11 pounds, and uh, I definitely feel like I lost, like, 11 pounds of shit that I never wanted to have anyway. And my, energetically, like, everything was different. I My clarity of mind was so much better. I had this higher sense of gratitude and appreciation. So I went down to Peru on the 4th with this, uh, like whole new vibe and uh, it felt awesome and and so we started an eight-week course that's uh, six weeks in now and a four-week course the next week which ended last week and um, both programs are going and did go fantastically like best ever so we're just like I, I'm like this is it this is a new level you are leveled vibing. up yeah it actually transformed my perception of viruses as a whole, to be honest. Um, I, I, I like look at viruses now as nature's uh, like evolutionary agent of change activist. Like if I, I now like have some bizarre cloudy imagination fantasy of what what evolution looks like and it looks like people getting sick. And then when they recover, the the next step of the evolution has taken place, you know. It's it's almost like uh, you know, like the superhero stories when you you get bit by the spider or you get radiation poisoning or something, you know, and there's this like, oh no, and but then, you know, then like you turn into the superhero. And I think that's that's like the role of viruses. And and yeah, unfortunately in the evolutionary process, like not everybody levels up, but yeah, that's for sure. But I do look at it a lot differently, just based on my my personal experience. You're you're honestly like the fifth, sixth person. I don't know if it was on the podcast every time, but so many people have have been. I mean, I guess there, there's a bit of a meme there of like being humbled by getting sick, you know, and just having like a like a new appreciation or perspective. But I, what you're saying is is like a couple layers deeper than that for sure you know like you really had some time to, to think and 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 get like this new perspective on life and and humanity and you know like but but i've just been hearing it. it's like um i'll call it a theme i guess you know mm -hmm. i think especially because covid kind of hit the behavior of the world and like the like uh just the everybody like staying in their homes and travel being restricted all these things that are like really like sad or like a mockery to like nor like everyday life you know like we're also just kind of looking for some kind of glory some kind of payout some kind of you know like it's so and that i think sure. that i don't think that's a bad thing you know it makes you kind no. of uh, it's almost like shamanistic you know like you're looking at the world for symbols and and mm. ideas that are like coming on from on high or something are we start i guess we're, we're starting yeah, we're, we're, start yeah. we're, <laughs> we're well, deep we're into it i mean i definitely think that it my background in shamanism wasn't for nothing in, in that realization or, or how I now perceive it. Like mm. I've had instances where in the shamanic traditions or in the plant medicine traditions I work with in the Amazon, 
you take these like poisons. I mean, that's really how they would be classified, but with a careful dose and, and they're categorized as purgatives Mm -hmm. and you like intentionally induce this like terrible experience that you know to be tremendously cleansing afterward. And, and it really is like one that comes to mind is this plant called Waka Purana. My teacher would like jokingly call it La Bomba Atomica. You know, like the atomic bomb is, it, is the name she gave a medicine that you would take, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like the kind of medicine where you had to bring your bucket into the bathroom with you because like it's it was, you know, like yeah. volcanic in nature and... But then afterward, and especially when you drank ayahuasca afterward, you were like, whoa, you know, like, so this is what the world is really, you know, it was like this, this wiping away of the material that was preventing you from seeing the truth Mm. in like a, you know, doors of perception being cleansed kind of way or something. Um, So having that be like my background experiences and memories and then naturally like equating what the experience of having COVID was for me, like certainly helped me, but I also kind of appreciated the hype. Like if, which I definitely wasn't in an appreciative manner before, (laughs) you know, that it was almost unavoidable to like get caught up in the hype. Even if you like did your best to just think it's a regular flu, there was still like the little creeping like, oh, but what if, you know, oh, I've seen all the statistics. Oh, I've, you know, there's a counter on the, on the TV every day. Not that I have a TV, but like, we're all, you know, it was like inevitable that some aspect of that conditioning of the hype of, you know, how, how fearful we should be crept in. And that pushed me mentally to be like, I had to get to this point where I was like, fuck this, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to like sit here and let this shit beat me. Like hmm. I'm getting up and, and I'm going like, I'm, 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 I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm not letting this stop me. And I don't think that would have like been so motivating if, if it wasn't for that hype. And again, that like harkens back to like these ceremonies where, you know, I've had a bunch of ceremonies in my life and not all of them were like, filled with joy and laughter you know some of them were were there were times when i thought i was going to die yeah. and you know they were like tough tough nights and in those times too i had to be like i'm not fucking gonna die you know yeah. i'm like and like you you find this like determination to 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 overcome that you probably wouldn't have found if you didn't have to dig so deep you know and so all of that like kind of combined to to then f- just be real with myself and be like whoa dude like i'm speaking spanish better than i ever have before like i'm smiling at people more than i would like hmm. i'm feeling such less stress than i normally would like starting an 8 week course where you've got 16 people flying in from all over the world especially in today's travel uh restrictions and and that climate it's stressful to just like, I would just normally worry about everybody like getting here. And, 
And this particular time, which happened to be right after the COVID, I was not feeling stressed and it was noticeable. And I started talking to people about it. And, and I also noticed that I was like being friendlier than I would normally be like, just if, you know, if you go to the supermarket and somebody's cashing you out, how much friendliness do you have in that interaction? Well, then I found myself being more friendly, you know, and like asking people how they're doing for real, you know, mm. you like go to have some little interaction where you might say, Hey, how you doing? But this was like, hi, how are you doing today? Everything going okay? You know, like just that little bit of extra energy to have a little bit extra interaction. Wow. And I don't know, all of it was just wonderful. So to answer your question, I'm doing great. <laughs> I know I, I I know what you mean though at the end there when you're talking about like really wanting to ask and really f- asking like it's not a thought or like a perception it's really that you're just in the moment and you're seeing a person in front of you like that's a great vibe to be in you know like the like um not to guilt someone who's not in that vibe you can't be in any vibe like all the time not that I've seen yet in my life you know but it's just nice to be genuinely in that that space and just effortlessly caring about the people around you, even though, like you said, it's just like an interaction you have every day and you just like pass your card or whatever you're doing to, to, to buy, you know, canned soup at the local, Mm. uh, whatever, you know, like it's, it's just so mundane and every day. And for whatever reason, in this case, like all, like you said, like COVID, but all the things that you were before that made COVID like so, effective in this pers- in this new perspective or this enhancement of that perspective mm. it just kind of lit you into that that spot and it's like you're making everyone feel better around you you know and i mean if they take it wrong or they're not in that vibe like you're genuinely in, in that vibe you're not looking to pull something out of them you're really just giving gifts you know like just your your attention that space and i in a way it comes back to you massively like you're saying about um like the the stress of the retreat or or any other aspect of life like you're just you have this openness and it's i don't know it just makes me happy it's nice because first of all you know you got sick you literally got like ill and this is what comes of it so that's awesome like but also i I had like this conversation with a friend and he it ended with him saying it's good to have your heart and your mind empty and I thought about that for a long time because it didn't make sense to me at first. Like your mind empty, that sounds like a fun meme, but your heart empty, it's like, shouldn't it be like full of love and you're giving love to people and stuff? And he's like, it's like, no, every day empty it out, like receive, you know, like let it come in and it'll like the giving becomes um, a byproduct, you know, like you're not trying to give with like this intention with this motive. And I mean, you know, in the ayahuasca space and ceremony in general, intention is huge. And I I just, that's always an interesting conversation for me because I don't know how to control that. I don't know that you can control that. It's almost like you affect the environment, then, then the environment affects you back. I don't feel like you can just strong arm yourself into being like, I'm in this intention today. And like, and I, it's more of a question, I guess, for both of you, if you want to explore that a little bit. Uh, are we recording on uh, on the on Audacity? Yeah, or uh, no, just through just through uh, Skype. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, Zoom. I just I just well, I mean, that's kind of why I reached out to you. I you know I, I published that article on our blog a, a few weeks ago, which is called Ayahuasca Retreat Preparation, Participation, and Integration, and 
you know, in that process of, of writing that article. And actually, since the last time you and I spoke, I've been doing a lot of preparation and integration counseling mm-hmm. for people. And, and I kept finding there was like a pattern and a theme and, and what I was learning about, you know, essentially what the advice that I was trying to give was a lot about what you just said, where you just are who you are. You know, and and that is a better form of preparation, I would say, is to like do your best to get to know who that is rather than to like try to figure out what you want, because what you want is embedded in who you are. And if you can figure out who you are, what you want takes care of itself. You don't have to figure that part out, you know? And so if you know who you are going into a ceremony, inherent in the knowledge of who you are is your intention or else you wouldn't be there, right? And 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 so I've kind of like been trying to find a language that that reflects that more. And and I, you know, I've come up with some ideas that I do think are helpful, but but definitely it comes down to like more up to me the importance of knowing who you are and how you got to be where you are right now and you know obviously that's a huge part of knowing who you are and and in that when you i i encourage people to like journal for two weeks leading up to a, a a retreat and and then read all of those journal entries and write a summary the day before the retreat of what you what you learned essentially like about yourself and when you write that summary you will be writing your intention but it won't be an idea you have you know it will just be the truth of who you are and and that's like the actual intention you have it's almost like that's like you're going to capture the theme of how you're act, what state you're actually in by documenting the two weeks before, and it's like you can have a clear intention, like a one word or a couple words, but if you're writing it out, it's it's just going to reveal itself naturally, you know. Sometimes, even for me, sometimes the intention is actually coming more from a place of desire or from the egoic intention, the egoic mind wanting something out of it, and then usually when it happens, when you have a clear uh, objective or 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 um, intention of the ceremony it's usually something completely different and then you come out after with a big smile you're like i didn't get what i wanted but i got what i needed kind of thing so totally so this is a really cool way to kind of just bring it out without even without the conscious mind right because you're unconsciously just writing it Mm -hmm. and then it's just going to start to appear like discovering versus manufacturing yeah and i just exactly i want to add a point to what you were saying about um, knowing who you are and not what you want. It's like sometimes you hear stories or you see, I'm sure you've seen so many times that people have huge radical shifts in their entire life after ayahuasca or any type of plant medicine. And I don't think it's that the medicine changed them. I think the medicine just made them realize maybe they were, weren't operating on a lifestyle of who they are. They were operating on a lifestyle of who what they wanted. And then ayahuasca just brought that to the forefront. And then for the outsider who's never experienced these guys, he might be like, think that this this medicine changed the person, but it's really just brought who they were to the surface, and then they just changed themselves, you know. So I think that's a that's a really powerful point to make. 
Well, I appreciate that. And you said it well. I, I think that the two are like inseparable. You know, it's just kind of where we put our attention because, you know, if I change my perception of who I am, then from my new perception, the whole world has changed, you know, and, and so that you can't say, you can't say one or the other, like, mm. yup, the whole world changed, you know, or yup, I, I changed how I look at it. Mm. And, and obviously it's a lot easier <laughs> to change how you look at it than it is to try to change the whole world. Mm. And, and, you know, kind of like going back to just what happened for me personally from, from having COVID or at least what I attribute to it is you now I just made that little, little tweak that felt like a level up for me. But then the way it played out was, you know, like you, you, I wasn't buying like a can of soup. I think I was buying like um, some notebooks and, and pens like for this course. And, and there was a person who clearly had, you know, was working at the counter and clearly like had been used to people giving a, a general greeting. But when she heard my greeting, and at, at one point, because I paused to, for her answer, and then she looked up and could see that I was like actually wanting to know how she was doing. And, and then there was like this, like really awesome for me, like eye brighten and where she was like fluttered for a second, like, Oh, Oh, I'm, I'm doing good. You know? And like that one little in energy exchange, like I got, you said it was like a gift I was giving, but like, no way. But I got such a nice gift because then I walked out of a store where I could have just still been thinking about the next flight coming in or worrying but instead I walked out thinking of like how great and easy it is to receive positive energy and to share it with others. And who doesn't want to have a few minutes or a long amount of time each day thinking about that kind of stuff. It's uh, I, like, it never, it never gets old to be genuine with people and to, and to feel that connection. Be maybe because there's so, it's so common no matter where you go now for people to just kind of be in their own little corner. And there's something almost like addictive and negative about that in large quantities, maybe anything, you know, it can be comforting and kind of like you get, you get into this mental or physical seclusion. And obviously the spiritual just kind of follows suit, you know, when you feel you start justifying like how you feel and who you are in the world and all these things. And, um, it, I don't know. It's just like you, you get thirsty for something that you don't even know you're missing, you know? And then it gets, like you said, she got like, like taken aback for a second because like you're the one in a hundred that day that actually gave a shit about how she's doing. And there's almost like a, I don't know. It's almost like a small insult or a small injury every time someone actually asks you the question but doesn't care about the answer. And you get used to this other modality, this like artificial monkey dance kind of like, how are you? Good, you. Beep, beep, beep. Money. Well, it's robotic, object. right? It's like, right. yeah. It's like a. It and contagious. And yeah. like all these weird. 
well, it's, words. It's literally <laughs> just patterns, and it's just like there's unconscious. It's it's unconscious conversation, you know. And I was I was joking with Sammy while like a few weeks ago, or yeah, but I was like I hate small talk because small talk is like the it's just the most awkward thing for me because it's not a relatable conversation or uh, a, a like a emo- like a penetrating conversation. It's just we're two unconscious um, moments just 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 sharing words without actually going underneath. And then when you say like how are you but like how are you really doing and you're just like penetrating that it's just all of a sudden it creates this this sense of of care and um it allows the person to feel again you know and it breaks the cycle of that hypnotic uh like uh small talk if you want to call it that you know yeah and yeah well, I, I mean i i look at I look at like everything that we think to be reality in terms of this cycle or this program. And um, to me, there are like these three key components to it where, you know, you have your initial response and your initial response then heavily influences how you interpret an experience. And then how you interpret the experience literally determines how you remember it. You remember your interpretation of the experience and the way you responded to it is heavily influenced by your previous memories. So I, re- I in- respond to an experience based on my memories. Like in this case, that, that woman maybe was just responding to my question, how are you doing? Because a thousand memories of someone saying that means nothing. They don't care, you know, like that's, and then the interpretation after you've responded is that, oh, well, this person doesn't care. But the interpretation gives that opportunity for change to me. And, and so, you know, while I might be programmed to respond according to the memories of my past, I still have this window here where I can change my interpretation. And then when I do, I will change how I remember that experience. And then the next time, that new memory has a chance to influence my new response. And to me, that's like how I kind of describe what the healing process can look like on a consciousness level where we're triggered, for example, by uh, an experience. And that's our our response, which is unconditional, but it's, it's just based on all the times that we were triggered before. It's based on these memories that we had but then there's the interpretation and the interpretation is that key moment where I do have the freedom to reinterpret this. I do have the freedom to change my interpretation. And when I do, I will change this memory. And sometimes you can change your reinterpretation and it changes all of your memories. Mm. And, you know, like every memory of those past experiences that changes your truth. You know, that changes your personal truth, which then changes the world around you. Mm. And, and that to me is like one way that I describe the, the, what the healing process looks like and why ayahuasca or other psychedelics are so helpful in that process is that they just put you into such a novel experience. Like, it's hard to say, oh, this is just like the pattern yesterday. It's not like yesterday. <laughs> you know, yeah. it is not like the the past week, year, month, whatever, you know, like it is a new experience and therefore 
it requires a new interpretation. And so that window, which might be kind of small when you're stuck in a program, becomes bigger. Mm. And that gives you that bigger chance, that better chance to say, maybe I'm looking at it in a detrimental way. Maybe I could look at it in a different way that would be more beneficial to me. Or maybe even I would think that's a more accurate interpretation. And when I decide that I have come to a more accurate interpretation, my memory now of that experience will change. But also I can then add that to every memory that fits into that category will change. Every time I've interpreted that way now needs to change. And if you're talking about a trigger, then if you can get to the point where every time I've been triggered, I was misinterpreting it, but now I have the accurate beneficial interpretation, then now you don't have memories that will influence you towards being triggered again. And that's like true transformation. This brings me back to my first ayahuasca experiences. It was very much what you're talking about, where um, I had just the, my entire mind was scattered into like a tree-like visual and memories were branches and fruits and all sorts of things. And branches were tangled up and it was zooming in on all these entanglements and these knots in the branches were like memories from childhood and then it just showed it was so visual for me and I was really really grateful to have that vision because I can still see it but like some of those entanglements were really tiny and some of them the branch was moved and then the fruit was hanging weird and like it just showed that these memories whether it's a trauma or something in my in my life that happened some were small and some had a chain reaction up until today and it was based on the pattern that was formed back then. And what ayahuasca did was so beautiful. It allowed me to see the pattern for what it was and heal it in each moment. And then as I kept healing it and seeing the pattern being, um, conti- seeing the pattern continue on my whole life, it was able to see each example and kind of, oh, okay, I understand. And then reprogram, reprogram, reprogram. Kind of like a mechanic, just like fine tuning each, each nail or taking out a screw and putting in a new one. And then by the end of it, I just understood how my mind was working. Not fully, of course. There's still way more work to do. But a lot of these patterns that I operated on were essentially solved, you know. And I really had a greater understanding of how my mind operates. And that's what's interesting about ayahuasca is it it can allow you to kind of see all that without the trigger response, Mm -hmm. without the subjective point of view of, of that pain cycle. It kind of takes you out of that subjective mentality and objectively look at all these things for what they are you know well there, i mean to me there's also there's like this kind of secret icing on the cake type of power just from the concept uh, where if i recognize that my memory of my past is my memory of my interpretation of the past then i'm not like locked in that, like that's not the tr- the truth you know that's my truth mm. right now and we all have examples of that you know we all have to me like uh, the easiest reference for us all or, or hopefully like most of us um is a relationship that ended you know and so we have a relationship and and in the midst of the relationship we feel maybe that this is the one, you know, where I'm going to be with this person for the rest of my life. And then fuck shit happens and you don't, 
And in that moment, like the world is crashing down, you know, You're like, oh, I, I thought my truth had been, we we're going to be together forever. Now my truth is that we're not going to be together forever. There's probably a ton of other thoughts that are like changing in all of that. All of those interpretations are all like flooding and changing. And you're like, this is the worst. Hmm. And then five years later, or however much time needs to happen, you're with a new person. And you feel that this is the person that you'll be with forever. And now you look back and like everything again is totally different again. You're so thankful that you had all the lessons that you learned. You're not triggered by, by those memories. You're grateful that you broke up, you know, like just totally different, mm-hmm. same exact experiences. But the interpretation went from this is who I will be forever. This isn't who I'll be forever. They hurt me so bad to thank God I learned all those lessons in that. I'm so glad, you know, like we all have been there. So we know that the idea that our interpretations actually dictate our perception of the truth. And that is a fluid process. And that gives us this freedom to know that I'm not locked into my memories. That's that I'm locked in right now by choice to an interpretation, Mm. but the opportunity for me to change my interpretation and thus change my truth is there. And, and that's like, to me, like a very empowering idea. Holy for sure. It it sounds like it's giving me a boon towards stoicism. Oddly enough, I'm hearing you talk and I feel like you're describing like exercise almost you know like you're literally working out but it's like your life like when you go to the gym and you damage your body and you're you're in some kind of suffering and some kind of pleasure and you don't even bother to really interpret it too too much it's just a process and then you rest you heal and you do it again and there doesn't need to even be this like um i don't know this like personalization like this I mean, it's a, everything needs to be subjective and, and experienced, and that's kind of unavoidable. But, like, there's this whole other layer, like that third part, where it's f- kind of solidified in the interpretation and then coloring everything else. I mean, it's a complicated mechanism. I, I noticed one time, this was like an epiphany, like decades ago, but I, I noticed that how I felt... Uh, gave me different access to different memories. So when I was in a good mood, I even remembered good memories more easily, not even remembering the same memories differently, Elga, but actually having access to more happy memories. And then when I was sad, suddenly I had this library of all the miserable moments in my life just right. kind of like shoved into my face. So it's, it's powerful. And um, depending on how neurotic you can be, like how consistent your thinking is, or in or inconsistent or, or constant, it can be, you know, it could be like really waves and roller coasters, you know? And I find it really, uh, like you said, that middle point, that 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 uh, interpretation part, it's, ac- it's like you were talking about COVID before, like you had this moment where you, you're like, okay, the hype and the expectation and that kind of first step that you described, and then you took that, and in ayahuasca as well, you compared it to like that moment where you said like, wait a minute, fuck this. Fuck what I think should happen. Fuck the fear. I'm going to win. And you start making a different decision in that little, that space. 
mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, that's the work, man. It's like all the work, like the, um, that gap, that sliver. I mean, there's a million of them every day. And you, you kind of just put a little bit of win or a little bit of like, I can change the interpretation, like mm-hmm. into the bank, into that third step that, like you said, feeds into the rest of your day, into the rest of your into the, uh, your perspectives, your your past and your future, like like you were saying, and that's really it's cool to know how that works and to see the like the, the plain English value of things like ayahuasca, where that space gets extended, and you have so much more chances to say, wait a second, do I have to keep thinking this way? Do I have to really keep doing it this way? And that is, I mean, you said it, it's empowering. There's no other word for it. It's, it's such a, man, it's, co- it's I w- why is this so complicated? Like, <laughs> you would hope that <laughs> life would be a little more straightforward. Well, I, I mean, well, you know, I, I've had the gift of being able to live in the Amazon rainforest for 16 years, working with indigenous coranderos. I lived with my first teacher for four years and, you know, they operate, in a different paradigm, their reality is, is very different. There are some core principles. I refer to their reality as being non-material and that the Western reality or paradigm being material. And, and that's a generality, of course. But, you know, if you look at our healthcare system, it's very, very material based. We even look at mental issues as chemical imbalances. You know, so we're, we're still like taking something that clearly to me is non-material thoughts and mind and consciousness and yet somehow still trying to make it like no it's it's your serotonin and you have a chemical imbalance and you know and yeah there's stuff going on there but we're focused on the material element whereas the spirit element is the focus of the ancestral paradigm or the indigenous reality and and inherent though in that are some really cool details that I kind of feel it's my mission to bring back into the Western interpretation, but I see it happening, which is really awesome. And in the Shipibo tradition, the, the ayahuasca tradition, this idea that what, we're, what you just talked about and what I've been talking about, like this, this fuck this, you know, I'm going to like express my true power or discover my true power that's perceived in the Shipibo tradition to be like the work of the plants, you know, like they, they create that, that opportunity for you, or they test you in that way. They, they give you this gift of creating this situation that forces you to find or, or gives you the opportunity to find this power within. And so I love that better, you know, like I, I like that. Oh, oh no, it's the plants giving it to me. You know, there's this added element of faith where if I thought I was just on my own and I might still be presented with this opportunity to step up essentially into my true power, I might not believe it as much, but if there's this back in behind the scenes faith that, oh no, no, the, the plants have got me, you know, like, Mm. They've got my back here. They're they're giving me this. So like, I know that I can do this. I know that I'm taken care of. And, and that, you know, expands into the overall concept at the root of this perspective or paradigm, which is that I'm, I'm nature. 
I'm a part of the earth and the earth is ridiculously wise and unbelievably powerful. I can't even consider imagining the wisdom of the earth or the, or the power of the earth, but I am the earth. I am a tiny little cell at one of, you know, a number that can't be told cells in this body, but I am, and I'm not alone. I'm not like happen to be wandering on a rock with a bunch of other people thinking that we're all just alone individuals. Hmm. No, I'm part of this crazy complex thing that I can't understand, but I know that I'm part of it. And because of that, I have faith. I can trust in that wisdom the same way that a baby just trusts their mom, you know, like they don't know how to take care of themselves when they're a baby, but they know their mom's got them, you know, hopefully. And, and I think that we're lacking in that. And, and I think that it's, it's like, I feel it's an aid that has allowed me to see that opportunity for empowerment, maybe more so, or to believe in the empowerment. You know, I trust in the empowerment. I have faith in the empowerment because I know that the earth has got my back. And that like spills out into so many other things where like, do we really think that we're going to destroy the earth I, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine that the earth is like, oh no, help me from the humans. Like I like I think that the earth has infinite wisdom yeah. to know exactly what she's doing. We just don't understand what we're doing. And I'm not saying like, yeah, let's go bomb shit and pollute, but I, I do feel that how we think in our consciousness is part of this mechanism of life that is too confusing to try to figure out from our hmm. minuscule intelligence, but we can at least have faith yeah. in the true intelligence of the of the organism that we're this micro part of. Does that make sense? Totally. A lot. I, I have so much to unpack there, but me too. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I just want to say, want to take a breath. And <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the one thing I, the point I wanted to make was, to continue on what you were saying is you know, when you go into those experiences with that faith of trusting that, that the plants got your back and they're gui- they're helping you through this experience, it can help, but humble you. And then that will carry on forward in your life because yes, you got through these incredibly difficult moments, but it wasn't on your own doing. It was on the doing of everything behind you. So then you're going to almost pay it forward as a servant to, to, to that, truth to everyone else and that's like the act of service but the act of service is not just serving medicines the act of service is talking to that person when you were doing the exchange with the notebooks and the the cashier there and the the act of service is everyday life and it's that humbleness that we get from these kind of experiences that carry forward those little moments in everything we do that space you talked about exactly every day everything you do there's a little bit more of like I don't like this pattern and I can change it. Fuck it. You know, fuck this pattern. You say no to something and you say yes to something better. And again, these little changes and it's literally the healing process, like you said, you know, and, and in a really, it's, you know, it's funny because you kind of like, um, let's say like, um, what's, what's a good word? You, you kind of, uh, denounced or or put away like pharmaceuticals 
in in comparison to uh, ayahuasca or other plant medicines or something. And but then you did give it this kind of like, but but the in the same breath you almost said, but the plant is is what's doing that work that that deeper, uh, you know, give you that space that cacophony that like is relentless and and gives you so many opportunities to say that fuck it, you know. And it, it just got my noodle cooking and I realized that that vibration just does not exist in pharmaceuticals. You know, you don't have this, um, I, it, there's no download, there's no there's no mechanism of like uh, psychedelia, you know, where you're, where you're experiencing the fact that you are the manifestation of your ancestors, you know, like none of that is in like an SSRI or something, you know, it might have the similar effect to give you an opportunity to feel differently, but it's not coming from a tradition and a, and a shaman and a community and a ceremony. It's coming from a, a, a you know, a cold, it's coming from a doctor. You can maybe only talk to for 20 minutes every month. It's coming from a pharmacy. It's coming from a plastic bottle. And I don't want to be simplistic, but like it really is not, it just doesn't have that that love that well, that energy it's just it also it narrows in so much that it ignores so much as well so you're you're it's and it is the western mentality where we we, we pick peel everything away apart, everything yeah. and get right to one thing and try to solve that problem and then move to the next and it's when you do something like ayahuasca it's just it narrows in but then expands out and then in narrowing in you see the expansion and then there's just such a wider I, I don't want to use the word, but I'll use it like a holistic understanding of the way your mind works, the way your trauma is happening, or like it just it gives you th such a perspective. And I find that's what's been missing in the Western world is that we just we've been just we're just trying to get to the source of each each thing, each problem, each uh, anything you want to talk about. We're just trying to get to the, the one variable and try to fix that variable and then move forward. And it's it ignores so much and you see it the way we behave and the way we live is just there's so much we do yet so much we're ignoring and you're seeing it in the environment and all sorts of things it's like we solve one problem but cause 10 others it's like whack-a-mole exactly <laughs> well I, I i would love to see western medicine try to find the the source or the true source uh, i don't see that that much i do see a lot of uh what is the symptom you know can i suppress that Exactly. And, you know, the symptom to me is like the engine light in your car. The engine light isn't the problem. That's actually something you're glad that you have. It's just telling you, you gotta, you gotta stop, look under the hood, or you're going to have a breakdown coming up. And, you know, if you bring your car to the mechanic, cause the engine light went on and they're like, Oh, I got that. And they take the bulb out of the engine light. That's not the solution. You know, so, you know, we definitely need a, a major overhaul in our, in our healthcare system, but I want to take it. I mean, maybe this is like going too far or too meta. I wish that fucking Facebook didn't ruin that word. Cause I really love meta <laughs> concepts. Yeah. Um, they haven't but, ruined it. They're trying and failing in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it took like me getting sick with COVID to come into this this higher level, at least that's the way it feels for me. And, and so like, if I were to like try to macro that hugely, did it, did it take, or will it take, or is it taking 
this kind of global human virus for us to level up. You know what I'm saying? Like all of the issues that we're talking about, like did, does it take like having pharmaceuticals not work to teach us about what we really are? You know, like d- does it take like capitalism to bring the greed so that we can see we can get to that test point where we say fuck this and then we level up you know into our true power like is this all part of this similar type of process where you have to have something that really feels like it's going wrong in order for you to recognize within you the power to move beyond it and not only overcome your obstacle but actually like lift yourself up to a level that previously you didn't know you were capable of. And is that the wisdom of the earth? Like being like, well, I gotta, you know, here's the time where we gotta throw this fucking wrench in the system so that eventually they level up and evolve into this higher power of species. And, and are we like, you know, just in the middle of that, having no idea how to figure that shit out. But we are figuring, like, we are coming into that. And COVID to me has been like, I see people coming into a higher power. I see people saying, fuck this. You know, I see people being like, I'm not going to listen to that shit. I'm making my own decisions, you know? And is that like the whole plan, I guess? And and because I come from this tradition where I, I have adopted what I'll call like faith in the earth, then I guess I'm, I lean that way, you know, like the earth has got it. And man, isn't it amazing how she's like figured out how to get us there. It's almost like her messages come in waves and there's some small waves and some people pick up and level up from those understandings. The waves are getting bigger and some more people, and maybe some people don't get it. And I feel like COVID is just, it's funny. I'm going to use the word wave, but it's COVID is a wave coming in and it's a big fucking wave and so many people just so much shit came to the surface in in money and in in capitalism and the finances in corruption in the pharmaceutical industry like so much was exposed at the front and so many people just fucking took the red pill as per se you know and just saw it for what it is and there's others that maybe the wave wasn't their wave yet so there's going to be more waves. The earth is just going to keep throwing us waves to allow us to challenge us, to, to help us grow and to see more. So we're just in one of those big fucking waves, but you know, there's more to come. It's well, you and I, I mean, it's so many people like the last two or three years have been insane for the decriminalization and legalization of psychedelics. Like the whole perception of psychedelics is shifting really fast to the point where it's like, Oh, you're 65 years old. Try psychedelics. You know, like it's like, like, yeah, like it's, crazy. it's so kind of mind-boggling. And is it a coincidence that that shit's happening no. at the same time? Like it can't be, right? Can't and be. and so, you know, are we just all in this ayahuasca retreat preparation <laughs> phase? In uh, you know that we're all just getting ready for for this shit to go down are you saying in 10 years we're going to see on cnn the the supreme leader is going to be okay everyone drink our glass of ayahuasca let's fucking heal this shit (laughs) i don't know i mean i saw on cnn uh, (laughs) i think it was brian stelzer is the dude's name 
He's a and I only sh- I only saw it because someone sent it to me, but I posted it on my social media because I thought it was fucking awesome. But he was saying, what do we do when you have one political party that thinks clearly and the others on a never-ending ayahuasca retreat? And he said that wow. uh, on CNN, you know, I'm like, holy shit. Okay, let's let's go there. I, I personally, I guess I side with the never-ending ayahuasca retreat party. I don't think that's how he meant it, but, <laughs> but I mean, Count me in. are we headed there? It sure feels that way. And I've said it in the past that it feels like there was a momentum happening of pain and trauma, but plant medicines was coming up when meeting it, and there's going to be an intersection. And I think we're starting to see the front of the line starting to touch because, like you said, it doesn't seem like a coincidence that all of a sudden now the therapies are rising and the, the global trauma is rising. And it's like we know, and a lot of our audience members know how powerful these medicines can be for trauma and for... Mm. propelling your healing process and to see a global traumatic event like covid you know to see the medicines coming through the the medical route kind of coinciding and hitting it's it's almost it's like it's above our wisdom kind of thing it's it's not our doing and it it was never our doing it's <laughs> it's just it, it's channeling through our some of our smart minds in our in our in our world but it's not our doing. It's literally what you just said before about the plants got our backs and the plants are really doing the work. You know, we're just seeing it at a global scale. It's really wild, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I know There's so many mechanisms that play together. It seems like a massive clock. It seems like so perfect. The more we talk about it, I'm having all these pieces rise up. Like, I mean, it's like there's this, there's this obvious, like you were saying, like this kind of fool me once, like mentality where you're just like, okay, this isn't working. What do we do next? And the more people who do that, the more you get shoved into that direction and just out of out of blind suffering sometimes maybe maybe only because as well i guess another mechanism is the fact that individually and collectively we are very like uh forgetful so we do kind of have this you know that's that beautiful spiral you know this this education where you you don't rem- you don't leave you don't lose the demons you just learn to li- live above them sort of like as as they say like you you change you the world doesn't change like you said before but there is i mean another mechanism which kind of bums me out but it's it's so inevitable and so true and we we all play both sides of this mechanism but it's like seeing the people who don't get risen up by these uh moments of suffering and they really drown that scares the shit out of you and you're like, okay, how do I not be that person? <laughs> or how and, do you help? Or, I mean, I, you know, the fear can be double-edged, right? And, and can pull you under because you're so afraid to be pulled under. Um, and you can misstep because of that. That's a good point. I think for sure in most situations, you want to have some kind of love and empathy for the person drowning. I mean, maybe every time. Maybe dive in, you know? Like maybe... <laughs> But I, I mean, these are this is just like analogies and metaphors and stuff. But uh, there's it, uh, there's so much intelligence and and it's almost just emergent out of this chaos, and it's just perfect because it has to be because it's like like chaos over time is order, you know. And we've been here for a long fucking time, so the intelligence is off the charts at this point. And this is the I mean, I just I just kind of walked myself into your into the faith that you have i think is what's happening here like i just i just realized the plants have my fucking back man like it's that simple (laughs) Um, beautiful 
I gotta watch this again now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta dodge that amnesia that I was talking about. I gotta reinforce yeah. it. I gotta integrate. Well, maybe maybe I can add. A, 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 there's like kind of a a line in the middle somewhere from what we've been talking about, and and I really I I can't remember which one of you said it. I apologize, but it was about you know the mood that you're in, and how that. Uh, stimulates a particular set of memories mm-hmm. and when you said that yeah well, I should have pointed at you <laughs> uh, when you said that I pictured this like library you know that that has all your memories stored but they're they're categorized by mood mm. you know so you're like oh you know those memories are over in my sadness section yeah. like if you go to the sadness shelf you'll you'll find all those memories and and that's so true you know, in fact, any anyone who's had like a a drag out argument with someone they love, you know, they, they pull out shit from like ten years ago. Yeah. You did that. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. The wet shower, <laughs> the wet uh, bathroom um, carpet. <laughs> but how I how I want to now present something is like, well, there's also this like faith section of that library, and and those memories, those are like high quality move you through some shit memories you know and and so we always we you never want to get rid of your your faith shelf you know like if anything you want to keep trying to put more more books on that shelf you know keep build that part of your library out because whenever you need it you know you you've got that and and that to me is like why the ancestral paradigm is so valuable and why i feel like ayahuasca and other plant medicines that come from within that indigenous or ancestral paradigm are now like making their way out into the world to remind us of, of that we've, that we're taken care of, you know, that we're part of something much bigger. That's beautiful. I I think even the last time you were here and with other guests, sometimes we talk about the, the fear of kind of of like capitalism or whatever like this kind of this generalized corruption that we were all experiencing um would somehow ruin the plants or something like that and you know we we see that a little bit we see parts of the world getting destroyed or touristic or we see we see like bottled ayahuasca like with brands on it and stuff like that's weird that'll creep up and feel like weird in your spine because you feel like you're losing something important. But the more I go down this journey, the more I realize that I, there, like that, that fear has now been taken out of that shelf and put into the faith shelf. Wow, faith, faith shelf, say that 10 times fast. Um, <laughs> and I really feel like there's no, there's no losing anymore. You know, there's gonna be, you know, there's gonna be some growing pains and like it's, it's always part of the theme, but, uh, it's like it, it's just gonna like that's it's like a virus itself you know there's there's it's gonna come in it, it's going to do its work and then it's gonna leave and that 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 sounds so simple but it looks like like intrusion and disruption and corruption and creation and then destruction and life and death like it looks really messy but like i feel like things like ayahuasca i mean i, I go back to that one specifically because it's one i've tried let's say it's one i've experienced you know but even like microdosing psilocybin uh or or things like that like 
it's just so good. It works so well. It will destroy what it, it will burn away the things that don't help it. It will, it, it's like relentless in a sense and in a way that's loving and doesn't need uh, too much reinforcement. You know, it's, there's n it's not an artificial energy that needs bolstering. It's just going to fucking rampage <laughs> through uh, our, our society again. You know, it's not like it, it's coming back, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's, um, I get yet again, I guess I'm circling back to that faith, you know, like there really is this, uh, feeling that it's, it's just happening, you know, and like you were talking about that chart, you know, like that, like the, we're kind of crossing. Yeah. I feel like we're past that point a little bit. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a bit of a metaphor that's kind of using math. So it's hard to be specific and not be specific, but like we're so far beyond the critical mass at this point uh maybe not literally in numbers but like we're off the edge man we're off the the cliff like we are just free falling into this new way of seeing things and it, you know like i said before it's it sucks some people have to go through it still and go through it again and really feel like f they've been fooled twice as i said before to to go, to go okay like this isn't working what do i do and that's collectively like that space that you talked about you know like that that second part of that interaction with reality which is just uh, making a, de a new decision and potentially coloring all of how you see everything in a new light you know so that's that's good well, we <laughs> i think i i feel like we're privileged to have um some processes that that are still taking place, but really kind of have fully taken place in terms of those concerns that you brought up. Cause it's something that people ask me to, um, of course I, I run an ayahuasca retreat center, you know, so I'm like bringing people from all over the world to the Amazon to experience ayahuasca with indigenous coranderos. You know, there's, there's a lot going on in there. There's a lot of like stuff to be talked about and, and, your perspe perspective is really key. Like, is this tourism? You know, is this medicine? Am I a cultural appropriating or, you know, am I honoring? Is there reverence and respect? And, you know, there's like so many like spectrums of angles to look at it. But I feel like it's very, very similar to what has already happened with yoga and meditation. You know, these were like incredibly deep, and are incredibly deep ancestral traditions from indigenous cultures that were passed on and passed on. And then they were globalized and then they were spread all over the world to the point where if you can't find a yoga class in your town, then where the fuck do you live? Because there's like a yoga class in every single town in the world. But that yoga class isn't even coming close to the depth of what yoga really is, you know? And, and meditation also like has spread all over the world. But is that, does that mean that like, if you are practicing a type of meditation that you're like tapping into what the Buddha was doing, you know, probably not, but, but uh, uh, along all of that, there's just benefit, you know, and and so even if people are leading ayahuasca ceremonies who have no idea what they're doing, you know, if they're providing that little opportunity for benefit for people's lives, then 
that's the big picture. Just the same that like some person taking a, a yoga class and maybe they're like more concerned with the design on their mat and the, the quality of their yoga pants than they are with even trying to understand the, the reality of what the practice is. If there's a benefit from it, then good. Hmm. And, and I guess that to me, there's a lot of benefit in yoga and there's a lot of benefit in meditation regardless of how watered down it is or globalized or whatever it is. You know, for some reason we don't really, I, I don't really hear like a cultural appropriation with yoga. Gets a free I, pass. Yeah. <laughs> like all the people that, uh, that might be like inclined to bring up a cultural appropriation have already been doing yoga for yeah. five years. So they're like, <laughs> Oh, good yeah. uh, but, uh, but I, I, it's just to me, like, it's kind of a great example. And, and, you know, and maybe if we want to like try to go into that giant big picture uh, interpretation, it was like, okay, let's start them with some yoga and some meditation, you know, and like once they get that going all over the world, they'll be much more willing to accept some of this other stuff that we got planned in the pipeline, like some ayahuasca and ceremonies coming their way. Ideas move more easily, like modalities, they move more easily than plants for sure as well, you know, but I, I see it. I, I mean, I see it almost as like these, these, I mean, okay, literally physical plants, uh, but like yoga or, or meditation, like these, these modalities were concentrated in certain parts of the world. And I used to use the words watered down as well, because there's obviously this, you know, uh, superficiality that's, that's just inevitable, you know? Um, but I, I guess now I see it more as like breaking the tree apart and planting all these branches all over the world. You have these. You have this tiny budding thing now that is not nearly as as glorious and and awesome as the original uh, plant, but it will be. But that's the start. Yeah, it's yeah. it will be, and you know, in some places the branch will not survive because of the environment, but uh, yeah, you 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 get that sense. You get that little benefit yeah. that that is awesome. It's it's better than nothing. You know, exactly. I don't want to sound pessimistic, but. It, but it's not even pessimistic. I realized that it's all the same body of water. You know, some people are just treading water at like the superficial yoga class, which I personally love. Um, but it still feels great. Yeah, <laughs> it feels great. But so for for many and me included, it starts to make you curious about the deeper waters. Mm. And then, because of the world's knowledge and we have it in the database, you can explore what yoga truly means because we have that. It's not lost information. It's just spread out so thin. But if you just follow that body of water, you're going to get to the ocean of the real knowledge or the deeper knowledge. And the same thing with ayahuasca and other plant medicines. You might take uh, mushrooms at a, at a festival or LSD at a festival and have this mind-altering, blowing experience, but it was a very superficial uh, experience per se. And then you start getting curious about psychedelics, and then you find out about ayahuasca ceremonies, and then you go to the Amazon or whatever, and then you go into the deeper layers. So I think these... We have to also understand, and I'm speaking for, for my situation, that everyone's starting at different levels, or la there's no levels, but different, sp different spots, and it's all the same body of water wherever they start. So if your thing is going to a 90-minute hot yoga class and then eventually you find your way in, into an ashram in India, like that's a fucking beautiful story, you know? And that's the potential of each path because of that. So I don't totally. think the information is lost. I think it's just spread out. I wonder yeah. if there's a 
is there maybe like a little bit of ego in holding on to tradition sometimes instead of letting it evolve? You know, like you mm. talked about so question. many things you have to navigate in your in your milieu, you know, like in your job. Like some things don't need to be perpetuated or they or they, you know, some things seem like they have an importance. They're functional. Other things are just like a, you know, an appropriate level of of reverence and and respect. And at there is, I guess, at some point, there's a line where it's like, do we want, do we have to shave something off in order to keep the important parts going in certain parts of the world for certain people at certain times in our in our human history? Hmm. So uh, that's that's complicated. A complex yeah. concept. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I find myself navigating that, you know, tr translating it or interpreting it a lot in, in my line of work because, one, like I know indigenous coranderos very, very well. I have lived with them and, and studied with them for almost two decades now. And I, you know, I feel pretty confident that I know them as friends and, and teachers and people. And and their perception of the word reverence or their perception of the word sacred is is oftentimes like at odds with a western perception of it and and this i would imagine this would probably be true even if you found like a yoga master or uh, i don't even know if i'm saying that correctly or uh you know like a, a meditation teacher who is from an ancestral lineage um, I would imagine that there's probably similarities as well. And, and then the word tradition, you know, I, I personally think like our, our, the Western version of uh, the definition of, of tradition isn't accurate because it always implies that things are done the way they were before. And, and that's just not true, at least not from my experience over the last 18 years that I've worked with indigenous coranderos in the, in the rain in the Amazon rainforest or just the last 13 years that I worked with one particular family their tradition has changed tremendously mm. in just 13 years and there's never been a time when tradition didn't change but the world didn't change at the same rate if you went back in history you know, like if you went back 500 years to the Amazon rainforest and then went back to 400 years in the Amazon rainforest, yeah, that would be a difference of 100 years. And my guess is that you probably wouldn't see much change. Hmm. But that's not that the world is different now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's changed so much just in our lifetimes mm -hmm. that clearly like shit needs to be adapting. It needs to be shifting along with it. And that includes tradition. And that's why I almost like shy. I use the word tradition a lot, but like I like the word science better because when we, when we talk about science, we already know that like it's going to be different. We're going to make a new discovery. We're going to replace an old theory with a better theory. We're always on the search for a new model. Like there's no adherence to like, no, we have to do it the way it was done a hundred years ago in science. That's like a preposterous idea in science. You're like, what are you talking about? We're not going to do it the way it was done a hundred years ago. People thought that the earth was the center of the universe at that, you know, like, like, it's like you have to keep moving. And I wish that our understanding of tradition would be that way too. And then when it comes to like spirituality, reverence, you know, these, these concepts, 
those are not really well defined in our culture. And one that I've seen a lot, especially like in ceremony, is that you have to be serious. Like that means that you're like respectful and that you have reverence is that you don't smile and you don't laugh and you don't feel joy that you're serious, you know? And, and we, 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 we kind of use that term serious. Like, are you serious about this? You know, it means like, are you dedicated? Are you committed? Mm -hmm. But yet we also put the word serious as if that's the same. Like if I say, are you committed to achieving your goal? I could also say, are you serious about achieving your goal? You know, and like, why do I have to be serious? Like, can I be joyful about achieving my goal? Can I be humorous about achieving my goal? Like, do I have to be serious? And from my experience, I've never met a shaman that was serious. <laughs> they fucking tell jokes all day long. Like the most famous joke, the most popular joke is the joke about somebody shitting their pants in an ayahuasca ceremony. Like, is that like reverence? You know, it is. It is. Actually, <laughs> it yeah. is. So, you know, it's definitely complex for sure. And, and to me, like adaptation is a key element we thankfully still look at nature and accept what we see, you know, like we, Mm -hmm. we look at, I don't know, I I don't know enough about nature, but I'm just going to throw out some made up example. We see like the wildebeest, like fucking eat its own babies or some shit like that. And we're like, the narrator comes in and says like, sometimes will will the beast will eat their own babies you know you're like we just accept that shit like nature's still perfect eat your own babies still perfect you know but when it comes to humans like fucking every little flaw everything is wrong you know and and again that like goes back to like can we just accept that we're nature and and treat nature the way we do with all the rest of nature in accepting its perfection for how it is it's like we veered off so so off track of of the natural world and it's like what's holding us back is our resilience and and resistance to accept that we're just part of this fucking thing but (laughs) i mean it's it's almost like acceptance needs to be like a confidence like you don't think about it you don't apply it you just embody it you really just live like everything is supposed to be the way it is you know like instead of just But now even like in the fitness world, you're seeing the trend even moving in that direction. It's like cold, how, like how popular is fucking cold baths now? And like this is like you're just using nature's resources and you're realizing that your body could fucking regulate in these in these crazy harsh conditions and you feel good. And you're seeing more people talking about barefoot walking and just going outside and just um, like the whole trend is moving to this like ancestral way of living. Like that's such a buzzword in the fitness industry now is like ancestral lifestyle and it's like cold water cold therapy just putting yourself in harsh conditions and being in nature and just doing these primal movements that simulate animals you know i guess and there's a lot of s- problem like i personally i love language i love semantics and uh, you just brought it up and you're bringing it up as well like in terms of buzzwords and it's like it's not ancestral it's what humans need it, we call it ancestral because we're thinking it's before all these problems we introduced that took a couple generations for us to notice. And now people have like crooked toes and flat feet and like they're all they all like, we, you know, we, we have all these problems because we wear shoes because we sit down all day because we yeah. we this and we that we don't we don't have vitamin D. We're inside all day. Like 
the you know like you you were talking about s- uh, seriousness and how we use that word to mean not like showing emotion not showing joy and being in kind of like a good boy you know like sit down sit still and it's like there is there's room for sincerity and joy but but the way we use the word serious can be synonymous with sincere but can also be used in that sense where it's restrictive and you have to behave and you can't smile and it's like if anyone's ever taken a psychedelic try to tell them not to smile that's ridiculous <laughs> try to tell them not to anything and that's ridiculous you know like depending on the substance depending on the I feel the like ayahuasca will, will work 10 times harder to make you smile yeah like it'll <laughs> it's like gonna show fuck with you the mom will come out and tickle <laughs> you straight dude like that's like uh, like try to stop me kind of thing yeah but there's so many and tradition actually i i, I want to go back to that because you just blew my mind actually i don't want to veer off too much and, and circle back too much but that's so important to me that we see tradition as where you we've been using that word wrong I literally, you corrected me just now. I, re- I used that uh, that way as well, to think of it in this purest way where we have to keep things the way they were, whereas it's more that we just have to keep doing something for the sake of its benefit. And a lot of people throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, I, don't, I can't keep the tradition. I don't want to keep the tradition in that mentality if it has to be exactly as it was. And I don't agree with parts of it, blah, blah, blah. I'm just not going to do it. And then there's this disconnection with hu- with humanity, with who you are, with what you need, and again, like the ancestral thing, like we there's some kind of truth in that word. Mm. We're reaching back and saying, okay, like maybe I take my shoes off and I walk around. Maybe I get minimalist shoes so I don't like step on a nail and hurt myself. But like yeah. my feet have to do the work, my muscles have to do the work. And I mean, I, I, this is this is like some basic bitch spirituality but like it's the idea that we're a little too protected and we need to suffer a little bit we need to have like almost like miniature rites of passage all the time you know like take the stairs instead of the elevator but like for life like for everything but that's so one of the things that kept rising in my mind as this whole conversation happened is that life is a sequence of deaths and rebirths, some big, some small, but every moment to moment is a death and rebirth. And, you know, it's like we evolve that way. And it's just, we need those hardships because those are the bigger deaths. And then the, like that breakup that you were talking about, that 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 five-year, rela- uh, it might take up to five years, like that's a big death. And then the rebirth after that is just, all of a sudden, once the you allow the rebirthing to happen, that death was so, you're so happy about that death. It's like fucking great fucking, you know, that pain was so worth it, you know? And we, I think that's the human condition is we, we, we evolve from having those mini deaths and those mini rebirths. And then we have bigger revelations and shifts on the bigger ones. But that's, that's, that's what pushes it forward. The, the death and rebirth is literally taking those, those bad and good memories and, and filling the faith shelf. You know, like you're Xeroxing all these memories and and saying this actually worked out. If you allow, this it actually to. helped. This actually, yeah. yeah, right. Well, I mean, that's when that memory becomes so incredibly supportive because once you've got that memory on the shelf of like, no shit, I'm so grateful now for that death, as you called it, or you know, because of the rebirth. Once that's on your shelf, then well, guess what, you know. That's not the only one. Mm. You're going to have another one. But now when I'm in the shit, you know, when I'm thinking, 
my life is over. This is the worst thing I've ever had. You know, this is, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I can go on. Then hopefully you can take that memory off the shelf and be like, well, wait a second. I thought this once before. And now I'm fucking super grateful. So can I like know with my true faith that in the future, I will go look back at this with gratitude and be thankful. Can I take that gratitude and thankfulness and bring it from the future to help me get through this now, you know? And, and that's like that, what that feels like to know that somebody's got your back, you know, the plants have your back, the earth has your back, nature has your back. And, you know, that, that, that to me is like what I see as the word ancestral. It refers to that core principle of, of being a part of nature, you know, where, where we like saw ourselves as animals on the planet, you know, where we didn't like think that we were the superior creature given dominion over all, but we were kind of humbled by the, the, the presence of, the power that we were a part of, you know, and, and I'm cool with like calling that ancestral, um, even though it's not totally accurate, you know, we're not going to actually go back. You can't really go back, but if we can adopt some elements that will help us go forward, definitely let's do that. Right. Absolutely. And one other thing, sorry, but like, First of all, shout out to the wildebeest lovers out there. I, I did not mean to offend anybody. And also, don't eat your babies. Like, I'm not saying that, like, anarchy and chaos and murder is acceptable. I, you know, I hope that my point was getting across. Like, yeah, just I, thought I should mention that. We'll put a disclaimer in <laughs> <laughs> That was unexpected. I have a question for you. And it's kind <laughs> of it's kind of switching the subject matter a little bit, but I'm I am curious because uh, you are a man that's been serving um ayahuasca for decades. Um are you noticing an overall and we talked about themes about journaling before your pod, uh, b- before your um your ayahuasca ceremony. Are you noticing an underlying theme shift in the collective consciousness of the people that are attending these ceremonies? And because you're still, you've probably meet regulars and people that keep returning, but I'm sure you're meeting such a, a wide range of new people that are venturing into the space. Are you noticing that the mindset is shifting and there's a, just a deeper layer of understanding or is it clear to you or, or just whatever you're observing and seeing from this? Yeah. I mean, it is complex because I only see like this sliver that is really coming to me. And so I would want to consider that, that there's some influence just in my own understanding, you know, like how our organization has developed probably has some influence in that. So I'm not sure if that's happening like on a global scale, but it's definitely happening. If I were to just look at the last 10 years of people coming down to our programs, um, they show up with like far more trust, far more understanding, like far more commitment, like willing to do whatever it takes. And, and, and that like is just fantastic because then they go 
what people are achieving doing our courses now is so bonkers to me. Like it, it exceeds so far what I thought would be possible mm. when I started offering the course. Wow. You know, like it's just an in, incredible to see. And it's clearly not just that we have made improvements as an organization. You know, there is something happening. You know, to me, there is this this level of evolution, even just the the concept of plant dieta, like mm. 12 years ago, that idea of what a plant dieta was, wasn't, it was like totally foreign. And I'm not saying it's well understood now, but people know what, like they, they know of a plant dieta. People are coming to do plant dietas. I see more and more centers offering plant dietas. And, and that to me is, a concept that really forces you out of the material paradigm and into the non-material paradigm. Cause essentially a plant dieta is a relationship building exercise between you and the spirit of a plant. Mm. And so there's no room for that, you know, <laughs> in a material paradigm, mm. you can't chemistry your way into that understanding, you know? And, and so I do feel like, I've been witnessing and we are all experiencing a paradigm shift. And that is, to me is also bringing about the motivation to incorporate psychedelics and plant medicines into even our westernized model. Mm. Granted, like, I don't know what that's going to look like, you know, like, I don't know, will they tr still try to keep it like dimethyltryptamine interacting on a synergistic level with your pineal gland to produce chemicals that alter your mood in an enhanced way. I'm not sure, but it seems almost inevitable that there will be this uh, permeation of, of, of spiritual ideas and concepts that do take us out of the material paradigm and into the non-material in the same way, maybe that quantum physics has brought us to that uh, particle wave uh, essence where, you know, to me, particle wave is really that, that point right it's like okay non-material oh no material like wave or oh, particle you know isn't that like the recognition that we are living in a collaboration of material and non-material reality elements and and so is that where we're headed even though it it's it's taking like ancestral ideas but it's really like forming a truly holistic model and maybe that's the purpose of why we veered from that was because we needed to bring the material element in for balance or for whatever purpose. I don't know, but yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to give the credit to the earth for knowing that mm. and maybe one day we'll realize it. It feels also maybe that this sense of understanding from from just from everyone is just it's like the morphic resonance uh, theory by Rupert Sheldrick where it's just like the collective consciousness is kind of leveling up and the more the more people that are experiencing it, they're just adding to that data bank uh, that database and maybe that's also part of it because I was always curious because as someone who serves so many people I'm sure you notice like you're not really going through the same rep repetitive explanations and it's kind of like it's evolving into something because the the public consciousness is rising so it's it's always curious to see the perspective of that and it just for me it's it solidifies that theory of the morphic resonance you know right or the hundredth monkey like yeah. all all of that i love rupert sheldrake 
Yeah. By the way, thanks for bringing him up. He's like a, a big influence on me mm. in terms of understanding consciousness for sure. Yeah. Um, his models just make so much sense to me, but especially with ayahuasca where, you know, if you're looking at a field theory of consciousness and, and then you in, extrapolate that onto ayahuasca as like the, uh, the antenna extension, Yes. you know, so like you're able to pick up a lot more frequencies yes. and, and thus like tune into a lot more stations mm. of, of consciousness that that to me like resonates a lot with me. I, I like that metaphor a lot. And and maybe one day we'll like quit trying to figure out where the music is coming from by looking inside the radio. Mm. Which I kind of feel like is what neuroscience has like struggled to do so long. And we're soon gonna give that up. In fact, I just got Stanislav Grof's book. I haven't started it yet, but it's called Beyond the Brain, and I'm pretty sure that's what he's talking about. Interesting. Okay. Beyond the brain. Yeah, neurology's funny when you go when you try to extend the the information it goes it dives back into chemistry and physics and then it tries to grow always back into and it it bumps up against like spirituality and philosophy and it just goes ah we don't get it <laughs> what do we do here <laughs> and it's like you need to become philosophical you need to become spiritual you need to listen to the music you know instead of trying to figure out like what, how the radio works, uh, so to speak. Well, in a sense, you're, it's almost just orbiting the the layer. You know, it's just orbiting around it and solving all the things around it. But to just penetrate it, that's where I think the work is heading. You know, it'll have to. Yeah. You know, you were saying as well about like this mask that that uh, you know ceremony can wear, where it's like how DMT affects the pineal gland or something like that. Like that's going to scoop up, that's going to be a, another section of net that's just going to grab so many people who think that way. I even met one recently who's a fascinating human being. And uh, he has, I forgot what it's called. Like uh, he, he has no mind's eye. He can't right. like picture anything. I forgot the word for it. Mm. But uh, Oh, it's bothering me. It's on the tip of my tongue. But he he's I into met someone on a plane who has the, the same thing that uh, but I don't remember what it's called either. Is it aphantasia or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. It has a ring to it. It's uh, that sounds like it sounds right. It sounds technical. We'll, we'll go with aphantasia. Yeah, but he so he's I mean, he's so scientific and so yeah, but just not in a rigid way and he's fascinated by psychedelics and he kind of he sees himself as this kind of strange experiment where he a lot of people hallucinate on psychedelics so for him he just kind of has this physical visual experience he has emotional like his his set and setting obviously you know play into and then get played with uh <laughs> psychedelics and but then he doesn't have any kind of visual memory of it his dreams are not visual he doesn't have any visual recollection like it's i'm that's a rabbit hole but it's just the fact that he he's one of these people who it, i don't know it, it glows of like uh terence mckenna you know or like someone who can be uh very intellectual but just use that as a tool to explore this idea that consciousness came first you know or like like you you put it beautifully like at the quantum level it's one or the other and you're just kind of asking you're answering a question that's never asked and you can just kind of choose something becomes physical or or this kind of potentiality or like this idea 
and and then that just scales up in both directions infinitely <laughs> so like like we said before i guess like we're all doomed in a good way we're all gonna be cra- grabbed by this net at some point and and maybe that's just a modality that will 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 shed as well at some point because it's shooting us towards something else or something new but as far as the work you're doing and like the the idea of healing the idea of of feeling better and of acting better in the world and helping each other it's it's like the panacea like it really is the answer right now and i mean who am i to say but it just it, the proofs in the pudding you know and and well one of the cool. thing i appreciate you saying that thank you um one of the things that i've been seeing more of is that more therapists and doctors are coming to do our training program and that's um great. and that's so cool to yeah. see you know they fill out an application and they have degrees in Western medicine. They are doctors. We are working and have been working for the last five years with psychiatrists and psychologists from the UK. And we published that research last June in the journal Frontiers in Psychiatry. The results of those studies were super positive for sure. One of the studies was an epigenetic analysis that showed that there was a change in the activation of a gene called SIGMAR1, which is associated with how we remember our trauma, suggesting that even if we are to continue to look on the material sense, which would be in the genetics, you can even see the change in healing trauma from a genetic level. Um, So we're definitely like continuing on with that. But now we're going to move forward with a new project. So this year we're going to be developing a course for therapists and, um, and it will be a course based in that, ancestral paradigm or that interconnectedness or, you know, what, what we've been talking about um, and, and, and what I see as like such an important element at the core of the reality that these traditions have grown in and developed in. And, and so we're going to open a new center in Costa Rica, most likely next year. And it will be outside of the Amazon on purpose because we're, we're going to be doing something different. You know, we don't want to get caught in the ideas of tradition. So we're going to be in a new environment, but of course they will be heavily based on those traditions. And speaking of plant dietas, like the therapist will do a plant dieta Mm. as part of their training to be a psychedelic therapist. Mm. And, you know, that to me is a, is a crucial element so that when they're providing psychedelic therapy to their patients, they are being guided by the relationship that they formed with a plant or with an element of nature. And so I'm really like hoping to increase the the shift to recognizing our interconnectivity and that we have access to and can be guided by a wisdom far greater than our own. And if we're going to be working with psychedelic therapy as a Western module, which it seems like we're going to, then it also for me obviously seems necessary that we incorporate that understanding of our communication and relationship to nature. Can you describe what the plant dieta consists of? Because I know of it, um, honestly, my knowledge of it is very limited and I've, I've read some dietas, but I would love to hear it coming from you, from you just what it is and what, what it can do. 
Oh, yeah, that's a man. Uh, it's a, it's a very, very deep topic. Topic. Yeah. Someone, uh, one of you talked about the ocean, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, on its surface, it is a relationship building exercise. So, on the on the superficial level, it would be ingesting the extract of a particular plant that you want to build a relationship with during a fast. So for some period of time, the minimum would be two days of fasting. You're taking, uh, you're just in, ingesting one singular plant extract, although normally mixed with a, a tiny amount of uh, tobacco extract or mapacho extract, so that when you smoke mapachos, you are also able to connect more with the, the, the plant spirit that you're trying to build this relationship with. And then after that fast period, you then go into a period, which is why they call it a dieta, where you would eat a very, very strict diet, basically a diet for survival okay. um, is one way of looking at it. So not to derive any pleasure from it. You would also uh, have that diet incorporate other uh, elements of pleasure. So you would like derive yourself from pleasurable conversation or pleasure or, you know, the intention of deriving pleasure. So not masturbating or having any sexual stimulation um, as a, as a form of demonstrating your commitment and demonstrating your determination. So you choose to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's where, when we started this whole conversation, I was talking about like knowing yourself and you are who you are. And so really what it comes down to is like you do your best, but you are who you are and your relationship will be the relationship that you form with that plant will be consistent with that. Mm. And you can't, you, you know, it's the same as a relationship with another person to me. Many of the elements are the same. You do your best, right? But uh, again, like, you are who you are. So you're essentially just trying your best to be your best for that partner. And that partner usually motivates you more than anyone to, to try that to the, to the greatest degree, you know, like when you really love someone, then you try your best to really be the best person that you can be for them. And a lot of relationships could be measured even by what sacrifices we were willing to make. You know, when you get married, there's some obvious sacrifices that are made. And, and that's like a way to measure your level of commitment. If you guys, I'm assuming, are really close friends, like if one of you called the other at three o'clock in the morning and, and said, hey, dude, you won't believe this, but like my car broke down. I'm on the side of the road. Like, can you come pick me up? And how you respond you know, is going to be a measurement of how deep that friendship is. If you're like, dude, give me the address. I'm on it. I'll be there as soon as I can. Mm. Then clearly you guys are really good friends. If you're like, dude, it's three o'clock in the morning and you're like two hours away, you know, can you call someone else? And well, that's, that's the level of your friendship, you know? And so that element is involved, but it's not, that's an expression, you know, and I think that's the nuance that makes this so complex. I think that a lot of people will say something to the nature of like, I did a great dieta, which means I didn't have sex, I didn't masturbate, and I ate all the food that didn't have sugar or salt or wasn't rich or, you know, anything like that. 
And, and that's part of it for sure, but there's a deeper level and that's really the truth of the dieta. And that's about who you are. And, and, and that's something that I think we also know, like you can say about your relationship with your partner, like I am a great partner. I don't have sex with anyone else, you know, and I like follow the rules, but that, that doesn't mean that you guys have a lot of love for each other. Mm. You know, that that's part of it. Like you could get a general gist, but the, the actual emotion, the actual being of who you are isn't so easy to quantify. So there's a, a, a setup for it. You know, it is a procedure that has ideas, but ultimately when you enter into a dieta, it's you and the plant that you're dieting with. And if you wake up in the morning and that plant is on your mind, great. If you don't, that's who you are, you know? And the level of relationship that you build will be reflected in, in that, you know? If, if before you go to bed, you're thinking about that plant, if you're like writing about that plant, if you're singing songs about that plant, if you're drawing pictures of that plant or whatever it might look like, you know, if that plant is so important to you that it takes up a lot of your time during each day and you hope it does, hmm. then that means something. And ultimately the end result is that when you go into a ceremony and this is a practice for people leading ceremonies, you open your ceremony by inviting those plant spirits that you've dieted to come and be with you. And the level of their attendance, you know, the quality of their attendance is determined by the level of your relationship in the same way that if you call up your friend and ask them to come pick you up, they will, or they won't, or they're happy to, or they're bothered by, you know, like the quality of their attendance is also determined by the depth of your relationship. And then in the ceremony, what the Corandero is essentially doing is working with those spirits under the guidance of those spirits and in collaboration with those spirits to do whatever it is that they're trying to do, whether that be healing right there in the ceremony or determining what is the true nature or cause of a person's afflictions or how to treat it or what plants would be good to use in the treatment or, you know, all of that is, is a collaboration of the Corandero with their plant spirits and and they build the relationships that they have with those plant spirits through the process of dieta that's fantastic thank you for that explanation that's <laughs> you're right it was a deep one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you know if you talk about love <laughs> you know, it's kind of like saying like so could you tell us a little bit about love <laughs> you know it's <laughs> We all experience it differently. We recognize that we experience it. And really it's at the core of, you know, so much of what we value to be important in our lives. And that is, I think, the same as what a dieta is. Mm. Like a corandero is a corandero because of their dietas. Mm. Uh, if, if you're just on your own, so to speak, and you're just singing some songs in ceremony, of course, you can be helpful. Mm. But if those songs are calling other spirits to be with you, and through that collaborative communication and that energy, you're going to be able to accomplish a lot more. And, you know, we work with a bioluminescent tree called Noya Rao, which from our perception is truly like an enlightened being. Her spirit is 
just always wanting you to be filled with light, to, to shine your light from within, like to know light. She'll put light into your chest. Like she's blooming flowers of light, like everywhere when you experience her. And even though, even if you'd never heard of Noya Rao, but you went to drink with someone who had dieted with Noya Rao and, and, and had a good relationship as a result of it, there's a very good chance that afterward, if you were to describe how your ceremony was, you would say, there was a lot of light, you know, you, you would like have just because I've seen it, we have our, our educational courses where we do the dietas with Noya Rao, but we have our retreats and we don't really talk too much about Noya Rao in those retreats. Yet people say they that I saw a lot of lights, like something shining lights. It looked up, I looked up into the Maloka and it looked like someone was like shining lights down. And, mm. and when I would hear that, I'd be like, Oh yeah. You know, that's Noya Rao. Like that's the spirit of Noya Rao because the person who's leading this ceremony has done a lot of diets with Noya Rao. Mm. And so he invited Noya Rao to the ceremony and you saw Noya Rao in the ceremony. And so, you know, from the perspective of the Shipibo, if you're in ceremony and spirits are coming to you, that's not just the ayahuasca experience. That's the ayahuasca experience making it possible for you to have a deeper connection and communion with the spirits of the dietas of the person who's opening this space for you. Mm. That's, that's like addictively fascinating. <laughs> the, totally. Yeah. Right. I, Unbelievably fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I had maybe I have, I, I felt more like the dieta before, before your explanation was like reading a book, but it's more like, uh, meeting a person and and uh such a complex and, and ancient and wise person you know that is that becomes a partner in crime you know becomes a friend that will show up like the the, the plant being almost like a phone number you know like <laughs> and you can talk to them you can have this dieta but then you have the relationship with them they know where you live now and then and then they're showing up at your ceremonies like for your other uh participants or whatever you want to call them that's really fascinating is the only word I can come up with. I'm really like uh, almost gleeful at your explanation. Like that's, <laughs> that's so cool. Like the potential is uh, many fold. Well, to that another, like to me really cool element, which I see all the time also is, you know, the dieta is a procedure within the science of plant medicine it's an intentional act, you know, um, but, but the reality is that we're all like realizing the product of what dietas are striving to do. And that's me trying to say like each one of us, hopefully already has relationships with certain aspects of the natural world and, you know, including like with people, but, but almost all of us have some, some energy connection with certain elements of plants or animals where we might not recognize it to be more than just, I love oak trees. But that to me is an expression of a relationship. And when you do a dieta, and then you come back, you know, you maybe go to the Amazon rainforest, you do a dieta with one of the trees that's that's dieted within the Shipibo tradition. And then you come back and you see that oak tree. And then you're like, 
oh, like, you know, you're like, oh, oh I get it, you know? Um, and so I would say that a lot of people, like some people come down and they're like loved so much by the plant that they're dieting. Day one, it's like the plant is like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. You're such a great guy, you know? Because if you went back into that person's life, they've been hanging out with plant spirits their whole life, but maybe not so aware of it, you know? Um, they've, they've always had plants. They've always sang to plants. They've always, like, talked to plants. They've always hugged trees. They've always, like, you know, acted in this way that was essentially the expression of relationships being built with the natural world. And now they finally get a chance to like meet face to face. And and they're just like, the plants are just literally just giving them giant hugs. And then some people, maybe they grew up in a city or whatever, like they just weren't brought up in that way. And for them, it's a lot of extra effort, but I guess I want to bring that up just because it goes back to that same idea. Like you are who you are and and you just strive to be the best person that you can be. But I also brought up the Oak tree. My wife and my daughter were just out at the Oak tree when this interview started. And my daughter and I like went over to this Oak tree. That's actually in my neighbor's yard. And there were all these vines like climbing up it. And I could tell this Oak tree once was so majestic and so incredible. So for the last four days, like we've been going out every day, me and my, seven-year-old daughter and we've been cutting some of the vines and clearing the space away and we're like going to make this oak tree we're going to bring it back to its like majesty and make it the temple that it is and and to me like my daughter and this oak tree she's dieting this oak tree she doesn't even know what that means you know Mm -hmm. but like it doesn't have to all be the way that it's done in Shapibo we all have the opportunity to essentially do a plant dieta and you know like like we were talking about with the evolution and adaptation of tradition like the value is still there and absolutely. the benefit will still be there absolutely wow amen yeah <laughs> i think that's a great way to 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 exclamation mark this conversation and dude uh, i love talking to you guys i feel like whenever we talk we just bounce wonderful just, ideas off i was each doing other. that the whole time i'm happy you felt that way too that was that was really really nice. It felt like old friends catching up. <laughs> totally. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, that was super nice. Well, once uh, once we get this program started in Costa Rica, I'd love to like catch up again. A part a really cool part of this course, of course, you know the the plant yet I think will be a very very special component, but there'll be a practicum for the therapist. So they'll essentially do an ayahuasca retreat, then they'll do a plant dieta. And then they'll have a chance to prepare for a group to come in and do a retreat. Will they'll be able to step up as the therapist? Mm-hmm. And that second retreat as their practicum will be veterans from the U.S. who will come for free to receive treatment for PTSD. And they'll be able to practice what they were learning by giving free treatment to veterans. And then there'll be a follow-up to, to like resolve and and hopefully like, get everyone ready um, to go back home and start to work with psychedelic therapy. But I'm super excited about those both parts, like the fact that they'll be doing plant dietas. And then again, that fact that through their tuition and their, their study, they'll be able to, we'll be able to offer free treatment to veterans. So I'd love to come back maybe in a year's time or some time when we open that center up to talk more about how that's going. 
Absolutely, and we'll we'll promote it as much as whatever that does on our end for you, we'll do it because that sounds incredible. I can't wait to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds so cool. You're teaching the teachers, you yeah. know, and then and then the whole thing with the veterans is so but n- then such a noble cause. In the act of teaching, it's like you said their tuition covers their patient in a sense. So it's like that's gonna bring upon healing. It's like a pay it forward a degree in a sense you know (laughs) (laughs) it's like you're enrolling in school and that's also giving you uh, your patient an opportunity to heal it's really that's a beautiful concept thank you yeah very very cool and i i can't wait to see the effects not only it has on the therapist but on the war veterans that so so deeply need these kind of experiences to to help work through some of the most traumatic moments you know feel like they've Definitely. been they've been neglected for so long so it's nice to see that they're being honored now and it's like a perfect subject to have to have yeah, yeah. absolutely well i mean let's be honest the veterans are motivating psychedelic therapy probably more than anything so true and and that's a just this also weird meta like okay so you know the powers that be don't want you to think for yourself so they prohibited psychedelics but those same powers that be want kids to enroll in the military to go and fight wars to defend their greed but then those people are coming back all messed up so new kids don't want to go and fight in wars to defend their greed so what if we use a treatment that opens people's minds but allows them to be healed so that we can send more kids out and like you know like are is it all going to come crashing open once this you know gets to that 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 point where you can't stop it anymore and 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 then that same idea to try to like keep your system going has now led to a revolution of consciousness yeah exactly the, the children of war are now the poster child for the benefits of uh, plant medicine what a, that's right what a world what a spiral it what just shows circle. you we're not in control man we're, <laughs> we're just riding this wave and the plants are doing their thing good thank god for that faith shelf <laughs> <laughs> yes thank, thank you Carlos. but it's fascinating you know like all of it and and that's one of the benefits for me to be able to to do a plant dieta for my daughter where that's what i feel like i've been dieting this little seven-year-old creature for the last seven years. And, <laughs> and um, one of the things that she is teaching oh, me so much is like the fascination, yeah. you know, everything is fascinating. And when we get old, we, we like feel like the explanation undoes the fascination. That's inaccurate. The explanation should only add to the fascination. Just because I know what to call metamorphosis doesn't mean that I can have any idea how to explain that shit. It's still magic. It's funny how we do that. Eh? It's like you understand it and then, okay, move on. But you're forgetting the yeah, miracle yeah. of it. I have a word for that. So that means it doesn't matter. We're so funny the way our chimp minds work. Eh? It's, it's incredible. But yeah. that's, that's the beauty of having a child. And I, I have friends who have kids and they say the same thing. It's like it, it sparks that inner child and all of a sudden it's a fucking notebook is super fascinating. All of a sudden, and a pen and how it works is super fascinating. These things we've forgotten. You know? Yeah. Wow, so, something. All right. Without a doubt. Thank you so much, brother. You're the man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. We could go on forever, I think. Yeah. Uh, but l- hopefully before the, the next year, you know, <laughs> I definitely want to catch up, but maybe we'll catch you before then and just uh, touch base if you're not too busy. Yes. Okay, cool. Man. I would love to. <laughs> it's always a pleasure meeting with you guys again. Absolutely. Likewise, bro. man. All right. Take care.
Take it easy, dude. You too. Stay curious, everyone. <laughs>